Forces Sport. BFBS. The Forces Station. Hello and welcome to Forces Sport. We're ready for another week. I'm Kath Brazier and that is... Julian this is where I say... Oh, I was wondering there. There was a, a little gap. Let's fill it. I gave you a gap. I gave you a gap, but we had a little eye contact. That was the problem. Um, I am, I'm chomping at the bit to, to talk about cricket and been having watched it all weekend but we're going to leave that till later in the show i just want to introduce coming up our, another fascinating conversation with another 25 year old coincidentally another international and military athlete we're just reeling them in jules someone who had to make a major life decision at 16 years old and is more than paying back all those who supported her our big conversation today is england red roses rugby star amy cocaine yeah i think at the time i did feel a bit of pressure um shifting my parents from their dream home that they'd built from the ground and um, and things like that. But very quickly I got into like under 20s and then um, by 2015 I, I got my first cap. So luckily it all went quite quickly so I could kind of say thank you a bit quicker than I was expecting. And now of course you're 50 caps in, at least. Yeah, 57 I think I'm on now. Yeah. And counting. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, that's a plan. 25 years old, Jules, what a decision to make at 16 to entirely shift yours and your family's life well and her dad of course the whole family you're the other side of the world let's fly thousands of miles back i don't want to say on the off chance because she has the talent but on the off chance that (laughs) you will one day play for england amazing incredible story and she really she does she sort of goes above and beyond in in sort of paying people back as well I feel that because she's just so passionate in the way she plays and she's passionate about the RAF and she's passionate about England and passionate about everything she does. Yeah, she certainly has feels indebted to deliver when she takes to the pitch and that gives her that extra ammunition, I should think. When things are not going England's way, she'll dig or Harlequins, she'll dig a little deeper to, to get her team out of the out the mire. Well, more on Amy later. In the, for- in the Forces world this week, or elsewhere in the Forces world this week, it was a gut-wrenching loss for the UK Armed Forces football team who were up against the Irish Defence Forces in Havant. That was last Wednesday. I say gut-wrenching, Jules, because it was such a good game. The Irish scored in the first minute, thanks to a, a UCAF mistake. UCAF then went 2-1 up and looked to be in control of the game before the Irish scored in injury time. In, I mean, they say dying seconds. It was the dying seconds in the 95th minute of injury time. And well, not 95 minutes of injury time, but 95th minute of the game. And it was a beautiful strike, fully deserved from, from the Irish. Um, and they they'd put constant pressure at the last quarter of the game. But then a decision was made to go to penalty. So it was two all after full time. And the two sides decided they wanted to get a result. UCAF lost that penalty shootout 3-2. So the annual perpetual friendship trophy is back with the Irish for the time being. The annual what, sorry? It's called the annual perpetual friendship trophy. It's anything but friendly. What I said in my preview is it's anything but friendly on that pitch. Um, oh, it, they wanted something to play for and I think a few years ago they knew they were going to play an annual matchup and they are good friends off the pitch and they want it to be an annual fixture so that's that, that's what they came up with the, the annual perpetual friendship trophy yes it doesn't, it doesn't and they, sit they're not well. happy to share not happy with the draw it's a question I asked. It's yeah. a question I asked, but no, they wanted to get a result. So far, that's they've they've always got a result in full time. They haven't had to resort to penalties before. But I spoke to head coach um, of UCAF, flight sergeant, different peers. He was philosophical about the result. Oh yeah, you know, I think um, a couple of injuries towards the end, so going to be back to the wall a little bit for the last five minutes. You know, I thought we defended really well second half. Um, 
thought they had better chances the first half the Irish but to concede you know in the last 40 seconds really you know, that, that, that's our fault wasn't it so it's a different end to the game otherwise but listen I'm proud of the way the players played we've had limited contact time over the last sort of 12 months um, we're playing catch up but you know I thought the way that they went about the business on the pitch and the tempo the intensity eventually we got to a place where we can you know get a foothold in the game and lucky you know we I thought we played well to get the 2-1 two, two, one, uh, two, one lead and then obviously unfortunately we gave it away at the end but hey we learn from that and then we'll move on to the Kentish in, in a better place It was hard to watch and it's hard to believe when you see them playing with such passion that they did that that's not more important than the Kentish Cup which they'll be working towards and, and takes place later this year but I've seen them play the Kentish Cup against the Dutch and the um, French forces. And to me, there seems to be more passion played in, in the Irish fixture. But um, what do you think? I don't know. Why is that then? Why is there more passion played in this Irish fixture? I'd, I'd, maybe they see it as slightly more competitive because they, I think they're such similar teams right. that um, uh, whether that's personalities off the field um, and, and there's such a massive drive to get this annual fixture done... I'm not saying there's not a drive for Kentish and I'm not saying that's not important. But for me, it feels like this was real heart on the sleeve type type football. Well, Such a to, game. Listening to Diffan there, you could hear he was deflated that his team had not finished the job and seen his side t- to victory. Who'd be a football manager, eh? I know. And uh, <laughs> yes, we'll talk about the, uh, the results from this weekend as well later on in the show. Elsewhere... Elsewhere, even more elsewhere, another annual event is the Burkitt six-hour relay race, which took place this weekend at Silverstone. It was the 70th anniversary of the race, and the RAF won and claimed back the Inter-Services title for the fifth time. They beat 69 other teams to do it. Afterwards, John Knighton spoke to Sergeant Dave Russell, who was on the track for an hour and a half in his BMW, and came in with a smoking engine. It was sweaty work, but it's, um, it's just an honour to drive for the team. The priority was to do as well in, in the overall as possible um, and that would be a byproduct of inter-services success so it's nice that we've managed to achieve that. It's a brilliant event it's 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 not just down to us as individuals to, to race for 20 minutes it, it takes a whole team to put this together not just the organising of it the running of it the logistics of it it's it it cannot be done by four people in cars it's taken a lot of people's effort to, to get us here and it's great that the whole team have got that result. I can't imagine 70 cars on the track at the same time, but it's a real mishmash. Um, all cars, all levels of cars can race each other at the same time. It's like they have a handicap in golf, but I can't imagine the carnage at Silverstone. Yeah, I've, I've been several times, uh, and back in the day when I was going, they had a three-wheeler going round. <laughs> I think that has now been stopped on health and safety grounds, but this car, I think it was partially made of wood and, and the rest of it a little bit of tin. I mean, it, we're talking a classic car, and I was thinking, how is this allowed? How is this possible? And there it was flying around. It had two people it had somebody else's counterbalance going through the uh what, what's the famous Corners. curve yes. yeah is it brooklyn's the famous curve yeah. at, at silverstone <laughs> wonderful opportunity for forces drivers and teams to use the home probably the home of motor racing silverstone what an opportunity that is even you know even if you're racing for six hours there was also if you if you're a bit of a petrol head there was also some more motorsport in scotland this weekend um exercise mudmaster which is the army's annual off-road event that report from dave civil mccann is on forces.net and you can see all of our sports updates on forces.net at any time of the week um 
More forces sport last week. Jules, you went to the Army Intercore netball in Aldershot. Brilliant. I've never seen sh- such a standard of, of, of services netball in one place. I know we have the inter-services, but this was something else. There are so many quality players coming through. It's wonderful to see. I worry a little bit about the Royal Navy and the Royal Air Force because there's plenty of talent coming through the Army ranks. And, of course, at the very highest level, this was an opportunity for internationals and top club players, I'm talking Super League, to be involved. And it was great to see Dee Bolokoro there, representing the Royal Engineers. Dee Bolokoro, she's back with seven uh, sisters, seven stars, sorry, seven stars this season with Super League. And I had a little chat with her, and this is what she had to say about getting back on court in Super League. Oh, yeah, I was excited. Um... Uh, again, to be given opportunity, why not? And, and again, with the experience, uh, playing with the uh, well-known players like Katowice, uh, Liotta. So yes, it's, it's been uh, it was amazing to be asked to join the team again, given a, another season with the seven stars. I, I love how, I love how much you love netball, Jules, because often you you keep me updated. So have you seen the have you seen the game? I think it's a great game. Yeah, I think this job has definitely opened you up to, to I've always netball, enjoyed netball it? always always in, ever <laughs> since that uh, since I was banned from playing at school but that's a long time ago and that <laughs> I hope you weren't banned from watching this but that's the, thing a whole with, other story. the thing with Dee is that next year is the Commonwealth Games and there's every chance that if she stays injury free in good form then she could be playing at the Commonwealth Games next year and if you're in the Birmingham area and you're a fan of netball even if you're not you want to go and cheer Fiji go and cheer Dee and her teammates fantastic um, sadly, Ches Nihel got his fight cancelled at the weekend. I know you've, you've spoken to him on a sort of friends basis, Jules. I, I mean, disappointed as he was, he did also get a win as a, as a coach that night. So Yeah, you know. Ches is, is juggling. He's trying to make a name for himself in the pro ranks. He went as far as he could in the amateur ranks with army boxing. He's still involved heavily with army boxing, hence him being in the corner now for some of the arm, young army boxers. But he's had a COVID-ravaged... You can't really say season, but mm. the opportunity for him to box has been limited because of the pandemic, understandably. And on Saturday, he had hoped to get back into the ring in those professional ranks and it didn't happen for him. It was cancelled last minute and he's just devastated. And it's he's got to pick himself up off the canvas from that disappointment. But it sounds like he has done by helping the next generation of forces boxers come through. Yeah, I'm sure he would have wanted both and, you know, course, yes, both opportunities that evening. But, um, yeah, maybe Ches sort of weighing up his options at the moment. We've got the uh, Army Sports Awards. Of course, Ches Nihil has been recognised at those in the past. Um, they're being live streamed by us on our Facebook site, the Forces News Facebook site, on Thursday, the 18th of November. And as they always do, they've announced the team of the year ahead of the Army Sports Awards. And um, that's gone to the Army Rugby League women, who I think have won it once before so maybe it's possible to to win that award more than once but fully deserving i think congratulations to them now just a reminder that you're listening to forces sport with me kath brazier and julian evans one of my favorite military characters to chat to this week and another incredibly successful forces athlete who's only 25 you're obsessed with her age (laughs) but i just think 57 caps at 25 i can't get that in my head and really? again, a bit like when we spoke to Liam Sanford last week, a 25-year-old who has got the head 
of a 30 or 35 year old because they are so focused on not just their military career but their their professional sports career as well but like I said 57 caps for England rugby with plenty more left in the tank here's our chat with Amy Cocaine of the RAF Harlequins Amy Cocaine, and England welcome rugby. to Forces Sport um, we're now gosh over a month into our podcast and the interviews are just getting better and better the guests are just getting better and better um, I know that we've spoken to you a lot of times over the years I'm glad that we've got you when you're you're in your England kit that's um, the proudest moment for us um, well let's let's start with that you know here in in camp at Bisham Abbey how's it going um, is it the same as normal is it has a lot changed in the last couple of years and it's good to sort of almost be back to normal yeah, I think um, COVID obviously changed the way we could operate in camp. Um, a lot of time spent by yourself in your hotel room, but um, yeah, we're allowed roommates back now. So we had roommates, which is always nice. Um, it means you're not as late for stuff and things like that. You can um, stick to the schedule a bit better. But um, yeah, no, it's been really nice. And obviously we've um, been able to f solely focus on England stuff. So we've just been at England camp. We haven't been like dipping in and out of England and clubs. So um, it's been good to be able to fully focus on, on England stuff. Preparations for the Autumn Internationals, are they different to those when you're going into a Six Nations campaign? Um, I suppose the only thing that's really different is the opposition that you're playing against and uh, obviously we've got two games against New Zealand first up, a team that we don't actually get to play very often. Um, so in that sense it's different but in terms of our like, week and the way we prepare, not really too different now. She mentioned New Zealand, are you going to talk about the elephant in the room that we could have lost Amy to New Zealand? I think I think she wears that rose with pride. She does now. Yeah. She does now. <laughs> yeah, but let's revisit that because um, we've we've obviously spoken to you, your dad, and your brother before in a con in the context of where you where your slight accent comes from, yeah. and um, you know just re revisit your sort of childhood and how you grew up and how you could have been playing for the enemy. Yeah. So when I was nine, uh, we moved over to New Zealand, and my dad um, joined the New Zealand Air Force, having been in in the Air Force over here. Um, and yeah, we got citizenship. So after five years, we got citizenship. Um, and yeah, went into like a Black Ferns camp uh, for a selection camp. Um, and that could have nearly been it. That could have been if I was selected rolling on through. But um, no, my coach at the time just said, um, look, you're kind of starting on this journey now of like international rugby. Are you sure New Zealand's like what you what you want to do? And as a 16 year old, I was like, well, that's a big question. Like. I never thought I'd be playing international rugby or even close to it, um, let alone at, at this age. So he was Welsh, in fact, and then um, I went, well, obviously I'm English, so England would be what I'd want to do, but um, I can't see how that can be possible living out here in New Zealand. And he kind of just went, oh, leave it with me. And um, then later that year, we went on a school rugby tour up to Auckland where um, the England team at the time were touring as well. They were touring New Zealand. Um, one day he just went, oh, we're going to go out for a coffee, me and you, uh, which wasn't too weird because I was the captain of the team at the time. So, um, you know, we had quite a good relationship, like coach and captain. Um, and then as we walked into the Starbucks, there was like Nicky Ponsford, Graeme Smith, Gary Street and um, Latoya Mason. And they, they kind of gave me the hard word on coming back to England and, and what that would look like. So, yeah, within six months, I'd move back. The whole family, in fact, moved back to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to England. So, yeah, it was a big, big switch up. It's quite a seismic shift. Mm. Yeah. At that, age as well. <laughs> At that age. And the faith that they had in your rugby ability. And you've delivered. So there's a lot of what ifs, but they've all come come true. Yeah, I know. I did, fit, especially because at, at the time it was just going to be me, me moving back by myself because um, my brother was at university and things like that. Um, but he always had the dream of 
joining the British Army. So when I said I'm going back, he jumped on the opportunity to leave uni and um, and come back as well. So, yeah, I think at the time I did feel a bit of pressure um, shifting my parents from their dream home that they'd built from the ground and um, and things like that. But very quickly I got into like under 20s and then um, by 2015 I, I got my first cap. So luckily it all went quite quickly so I could kind of say thank you a bit quicker than I was expecting. And now, of course, you're 50 caps in, at least. Yeah, 57, I think I'm on now. Yeah. And counting. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, that's a fun. Do you feel sort of, I mean, it's not an obligation. Did you really feel that want to play for England in your heart? And do you still, but do you still feel like you, you owe them? That sounds a horrible thing. Owing someone is, is horrible. But you sort of feel like you want to still prove that it was England you chose and not New Zealand. Yeah, I've, uh, that's kind of like what people always say, especially like when we lost to New Zealand in the in the World Cup final. Everyone was kind of like, oh, do you think you made the right decision? And regardless of losing that final, I definitely do think it was the right decision. And I think the fact that I've got 57 caps, there's no way I'd have 57 caps if I was playing for New Zealand. I'd probably be on five or something. Um, so the prospect of actually being able to play international rugby and, and kind of have it as a career path as I have now of being professional like I wouldn't have the opportunity out in, in New Zealand and I know that result didn't quite go away but I think for me individually it was definitely the right decision to come back yeah. Would you say in the Autumn Nationals there your main focus um, obviously you then got Canada and the USA but they're obviously your main focus with the two games against them? I think it's got to be you know we're the number one and number two in the world right now so they're always going to be a big fixture um, and the fact that we don't get to play them very often. It's amazing for us to be able to play them outside of a, of a World Cup. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's always going to be a big game. It's a big rivalry. So, yeah, I think everyone's chomping at the bit to get involved with that. Well, I was going to say, you know, your thoughts then on, on facing down the hacker. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what will be going through your mind when, when they come out, when New Zealand come out? Um, I quite like it. I think it's an opportunity for, obviously, they're trying to impose dominance on us, but, you know, how you react to that can also um, be quite strong as well. So yeah, just just revel in, enjoy, enjoy it for what it is. Because some people have said that, well, why are we giving New Zealand that advantage at the start? Is that something that, that you would go with or it doesn't really phase you in the slightest? I think it's just part of their culture, isn't it? It's something that, that, that they do. And I don't think that we have the right to say, no, you can't do that. So, um, you know, stand there and take it. And if you think that's going to give them an advantage and you probably haven't prepared well enough, if you think something like that's going to change change outcome of a game. And um, looking ahead, um, I mean, obviously we've got the, the Six Nations next year. It's a World Cup year next year for you guys as well. So this is a really good time to have come out of COVID, fingers crossed, and, and be heading into those big games ahead of a big year for you guys next year. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're one year out now. I think it's less than a year. Um, and this is the time when you've got to start putting things together. It's no no longer oh we're building we're you know we've got to start performing now. So to be playing you know one of the best teams in the world, the reigning world um, champions, there's there's no better challenge to to see where you're at. You know you're a professional rugby player. Um, what is um, women's rugby like in the in the Premier 15s at the moment? Because we just seem to have it just there seems to be a meteoric rise in the last five years. And do you feel that being inside that as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think you only have to look after, like, even this season, the changes we've seen. Obviously, I'm a Harlequins player and we've, we've lost two games already this season, having won it last year. But, um, you know, the likes of Bristol and Exeter that are really coming through and, and progressing, um, it, I think it's really good for the game. You know, as players, we want to have competitive fixtures. We don't want to be 
knowing oh we we can just turn up and ha- no matter how badly we play we'll probably win so the fact that you've got to be competitive every week just pushes you on like every training session counts um it's only going to drive the standard higher and then the higher the standard of the premier 15s the higher the standard of the england team so i think i think it's really important for for rugby as a whole you know you've got the likes of the Welsh girls, I think pretty much most of them have come over the border now and, and played and even some Scottish and Irish. So um, we're really attracting um, some worldwide talents. You know, a lot of the, I think there's like 13 Americans now playing, um, two Japanese, countless Canadians, things like that. So um, I think we're really being seen worldwide as probably one of the best domestic uh, leagues for women's rugby. You're a wonderful ambassador for the Royal Air Force, but you're not the only military person involved at Harlequins or indeed across the Premier 15s, there are so many military players now coming through. Do you feel that you're a little bit at the vanguard? Do you think you're in a, a golden age of military women's sport, particularly with rugby union? I think so. I think um, we had our UCAF fixture a couple of weeks ago, and I think most people in, in the team were associated with a, like a Premier 15s team. And uh, um, some people made a comment that, oh, if you were actually a team in the Premier 15s, you'd probably <laughs> still do all right. So. Um, yeah, I think it's really good and we're attracting more more women to the military, whether that's Air Force, Army or Navy. Um, I would encourage anyone to get involved with it and the support you can get um, to be able to do things like play rugby. Um, yeah, it's huge, so why not take it? Yeah, one, I suppose it's a political thing, but there has been a, a few issues around centrally contracted players, particularly with England, and it's very hard for them to, to balance a career outside of rugby as much rugby as they want to play. And, and that's something that the, the military are very favourable are. They look to you guys to, to back them as, as you go and represent them on the international pitches. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, myself on the elite athlete scheme now, we've previously had Charlie Murray and Sean Williams in the Air Force. Um, I don't know, people in the Army are very well supported and getting time off to be able to attend training sessions and stuff like that. And just to kind of take that pressure off, you know, you're not constantly working and trying to, you know, get up 5am or whatever to a gym session, you know, they give you that time because um, you're only going to be able to play rugby for a short amount of time in your life. So you may as well take the opportunity now and, um, and, and do it while you can. Are you keeping a tally of the, um, the number of RAF players you're, you're pulling in from? Yeah, you want, are you on a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, commission, I wish, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like me and my dad, we've got like a good system going on. He normally finds some good young rugby player and then sends them my way to try and convince them to join up. But, um, but it's working. Yeah, no, we've had obviously um, Karis Williams, um, knew her through Litchfield and, and she didn't really know what she wanted to do. So I was like, join the Air Force, come on. And she did it and now she loves it. It's probably a career path that she would never have considered in the past but um and then the likes of Sarah Bonner Scotland International um she wanted to join the navy but I, I showed her the light of the <laughs> light blue so unfortunately um, she joined the air force instead but um yeah I just think people are really seeing the benefits of of balancing that military and, and sporting lives and you I mean you I'm harking back to a question that Jules asked but you really feel that there is there's not a worry we don't need to worry that there aren't enough women coming into at Premiership Rugby, you think there's a good foundation, good grassroots system going on? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, we've got an England 20s and stuff like that, but um, a lot of like the clubs have centre of excellences now. Um, and at Quinns this year, we've had a couple of girls that have come up and they're 18 years old, they're being thrown right in the mix, but, you know, they're holding their own. And I think having those and having the bases of the centre of excellence to associate with a club and just gives them that pathway of, look, you're going to start here, you can go here and here, I think it's really good for the women's game. 
And um, how much time do you have to give to the RAF whilst you're on that elite athlete scheme? Or do they just say, go and do your thing and, until you sort of, you need us again? <laughs> yeah, um, they're really good to be fair. Um, if I can spare a day or two here and there to just kind of keep my, my head in a bit of the provost stuff. Um, so when, when I come back, it's not a complete shock and the whole world's changed. But um, no, especially like around rugby season, they're very much that's that's your focus that's what you've got to go and do so um yeah it makes it really easy for me i don't have to worry about um or oh, i've got to be here or there or whatever it's like i'm, I'm doing my rugby timely that we've got a, a fly pass going on now but but the career you chose with the royal air force was raf police were you thinking long term is that is that why you chose the the raf police yeah i think people's sometimes perception is that i've joined the air force to play rugby and then once my rugby career finishes i'll probably just sack the air force off but that's not my intention at all i i, I truly see the air force being my career for for now and post rugby um and the police just really interested me i think it's such a diverse role within within the military so um yeah that's definitely my intention is to is to have a proper career, a proper office job. <laughs> when you do team up with your RAF mates again, do you find that you're bringing back stuff that you've been learning on international and club duty, particularly ahead of the inter-services championships that will be in, in you know next spring? Are you able to bring stuff back and help coach in that sort of capacity? Yeah, I think I have a lot of responsibility in that sense to give my experience. Um, we have a very ra a big range of people and their experiences, so. At the minute, some people aren't playing rugby. Even even at UCAF the other week, some people haven't played rugby for like nearly two years because of COVID, and their teams just weren't playing. So, just to try and keep everyone on, on the on the same page um, is huge. But you know, we have great coaches and great um, support staff within the Air Force and uh, UCAF. So, um, there's not too much to do. But if I need to chip in a little bit here and there, then I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Um, we're very aware that. Um it's a different game to the men's game. You know, I'm, I'm always telling people don't compare them, but there are similarities. Say, for example, it was a disastrous Lions summer for the men's game this summer, purely because of results and possibly the style of rugby that was played. But it has sparked a conversation about, and I'm sure that conversation has been ongoing for a while, about the possibility now that the women's game is on this constant rise, whether something like a Lions tour would be befitting of the team. What you're in you know what's the inside track from you what do you hear about Lions and what do you feel about it I think as a player um, if someone said do you want to play for the Lions you're never going to say no um, I think there's obviously just that confusion about what that would look like um, in terms of who would play for the Lions um, obviously as England we're, we're now professional but the other nations um, don't have that luxury so we can obviously take six weeks off and go and tour say New Zealand but someone that's got a full-time job that's going to be a lot more difficult. So just in terms of what that would look like um, would be quite tough. And then the other thing would be like the opposition, you know, in, in the men's game, Australia and South Africa, are the top top teams, um, no, no bag to South Africa in the women's game, but they haven't quite grown to that level yet. So would, would it look different? Do we have to copy the men's um, programme? I, I don't think we do. I think why not play just the top teams? But um, yeah, who knows what that will look like? But um, I'm not sure I'll still be playing when it actually gets figured <laughs> out. So um, well, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get my just be back. hanging on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think you'll still be involved? Like, I mean, I know you talk about going back into the RAF and, and, and fulfilling that career prospect as well, but do you think you'll always try and be involved with England rugby or rugby in general after, after your playing career finishes? 
Um, probably not, <laughs> in, in a blunt way. I have no intentions of coaching or anything like that. Um, I really, I do love the game, but I just think I would find it way too stressful coaching and doing all the stuff behind the scenes. And even when I'm like on the bench for a team or like I'm not playing and I'm watching on the telly, I'm just too stressful. <laughs> I just don't think that I would be able to do it. But I would definitely stay involved with like the, the Air Force Rugby, um, playing probably as long as I can and then maybe helping with coaching or managing or something like that. But um, yeah, no real intentions of becoming a coach. You're naturally very sporty and I imagine that when you come off a pitch on a Saturday afternoon, the first thing you do is check your phone to see how Aston Villa <laughs> have got on. Is that is that something that's probably text her Yeah, is that something that you do because even the initials of your name spell out your favourite football club. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, my dad was a, or is a very die-hard Aston Villa fan, so yeah, he kindly named me Amy Victoria Fiona Cocaine for AVFC. Um, yeah, I think Villa has been quite a big part of my life. I played from when I was younger, obviously got the name, huge in my family. Um, but um, I've kind of, I don't follow them as religiously as my brother and my dad do, I'll put it that way, yeah. So they've not named a stand after you just yet? No. <laughs> not yet, not no. Not yet, no, okay. Well, that's, that's to come. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, one day. And how is the family? It always, I always remember when we spoke to you, your dad and your brother Thomas as well, that you talked about the... Um, the Christmas get-together and the Christmas bench press, um, you know, I don't Ooh, know. Yes, the, the Christmas know, bench yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Christmas looked for you guys last year, but is that something that's, you know, in, in the wheels in motion for this year? Yeah, we managed to have a get-together and we did it, uh, the Christmas bench press. Um, Talk us, talk us through the Christmas bench press. Yeah, I mean, lot, yeah. lots of people celebrate Christmas in many ways, <laughs> but the cocaine family, it's all about pumping iron. Well, basically, it all started because um, with England, we used to have fitness testing usually on about the 3rd of January, which is obviously an awful time. Um, Probably on purpose. Yeah, just so you can't enjoy Christmas too much. But we don't do it anymore, so that's good. But um, uh, one year, it was on Christmas Day, and I was like, oh, I really want to do well on bench press this year or like or my dad was saying how are you going to do on bench or something like that and then and then we're a very competitive family I, I like need to put that out there we are like uber competitive about anything if someone starts something that's it it's yeah it's very competitive um and he just kind of went oh I bet you I could beat you at bench press and he's obviously like a 52 year old man I'm meant to be this professional rugby player he's not built like a forward either is yeah he? <laughs> no he's a yeah, he's a bit skinny old Ian but um <laughs> yeah so then we couldn't just leave it at, I bet I could beat you. It then had to be get in the car and go down to the rugby club and, and actually do a bench press competition. But um, it was quite funny because in the car, my dad actually went, one of us is going to get injured. I hope you understand that. Like, one of us will not be coming out of this in Merry the shape Christmas. we walk in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he actually did hurt his back doing it. So um, he did get injured, but it wasn't me. So that was lucky. But um, yeah, and it's kind of just grown from there. But my brother was away that Christmas, but... Um, he then joined and kind of ruined the fun a little bit because he's very good. So, um, so have you like got an advent calendar? You know, day one it's squats, calf raises, culminating in the bench press for for Christmas. It's quite funny actually because my brother's just been away for a couple of months, so he hasn't been out to gym. And um, he put something on the family WhatsApp group the other day. Obviously, we're only in October, and he was like. Um, oh, I only managed to do like eight times 80 or something today. Like Christmas isn't going to be looking good if I don't get back in the gym. And I was thinking 80 is pretty close to my one rep max. So I think you're going to be all right. But um, yeah, no, the chat's already started. But um, we try our best every year to 
throw my brother off the off the throne, but we haven't quite managed it yet. I want to know what your mum's involvement. Does she does she just provide the fuel, or is she sort of actively involved? Yeah. So the rule that we have is, um, if you take part in the competition, you have to get a hundred. So what we do is bench and max press up straight afterwards. So, for example, if you did 70 on bench, you then have to, have to do 30 press-ups to, to get your Christmas dinner. So um, I'm not sure my mum can quite do it yet. She is working on a bench press because um, they've got a garage gym now, as most people have after lockdown. But um, I'm not sure she's quite at the 100 points mark yet. Wow. So well, that, pressure that, that, on her. Well, that, that might be your mum's sporting highlight. But yeah. what is yours? Because you've won 57 caps for England. Was it your first England cap? Was it helping the Royal Air Force to lift the inter-services title for the first time? What's been your highlight in your sporting career so far? Well, that's a very tough question, that. Um, I think you can't go past playing your first cap, your first cap for England. It was, um, it's not even just about yourself. It's like I spoke about earlier, all the sacrifice that my family have, have made. And to be able to, you know, stand there and look at them and sing the national anthem and, and almost be like a thank you. Because um, I definitely wouldn't be the rugby player or the person I am today if it wasn't for them. So. I think moments like that is, is special for you and your family and just that chance to, for them to be super proud as well and kind of to know that all, the, all that stuff they did, like moving back and selling the house and was all kind of worth it because I did achieve what, what I wanted to achieve. Um, but again, something like the inter-services is so unique and not many people actually get to, to play in inter-services or, or win it. And to have gone 26 years or whatever it was that the army had won it, um, to finally be part of the team that, that overturned them. And I think it will only spark the army on as well and make in-services better. And um, yeah, that, but that was a very special moment as well. And so about us, like my dad was obviously part of the coaching setup. So again, a, a big family affair and I get to rub it in my brother's face that we finally beat the army. Are you looking forward to next season's, or this season's, but next year's inter-services campaign? Yeah, definitely. I think coming out of the UCAF fixture, we obviously had army and navy in there as well there's definitely a bit of rivalry chat going on as well they are chomping at the bit to get that trophy back i think they're gonna put in some real hard work so we'll definitely be looking to match that and um the plans pre-covid were that it was going to be the first time that the army navy match was going to be played on the main pitch at twickenham you'll get a little bit of a warm-up i know you've been there before but you know you get to play with quinns there over christmas but is that something that's still a possibility for next season and something that you would treasure as well yeah i think i think i hope i think that's the plan for them i'm not too sure obviously as the air force we normally just get to go and watch that game but um course, yeah. i think it's huge like we used to go down to nella hall and watch and normally have a few beers on the sideline at 10 a.m but um just have it on that stage and just to give them you know, not, not many people get to play at Twickenham, so to have the opportunity, like you said, we get to, at club, we play our big game there. So where I get to play there for England, there, there was some girls, say, um, we had a Swedish girl on our team and she was like, in Sweden, Twickenham is like the pinnacle of rugby. So she's like, so the fact I get to run out at Twickenham, she was like, it's huge. And obviously it's huge for an English rugby person as well, but you never really think it's going to be huge for someone like that. And Sweden's women's rugby is obviously not as big as, or like at all so the fact that she was getting to play at Twickenham she just couldn't believe it so and she was talking globally it's the home of rugby that's what she felt it wasn't just the home of England rugby she feels like that's the I home think you'll of find it's the Principality Stadium <laughs> got a Welsh fan over here oh absolutely not <laughs> one one uh, venue that, that has been earmarked for inter-services next year is at Gloucester uh, for, for the Army RAF I think 
if it, if it is played there. Mm-hmm. But they've, they've gone with the fake pitch. What's your take on fake pitches at the moment? Because I see that the guys have been given permission to wear the tights, the leggings because of the burn. Your front row, are you a fan of the, of the, uh, the fake pitch? I, I don't have any issue with it. Um, I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it and people do get bad burns and stuff like that but um, I think it's really difficult because at the top level you shouldn't really need it but if that top level is what supports the community rugby you can't beat having however many 4G pitches so kids can play on it and however many kids can play on it and you're not worried about oh it's now just a mud bath and, and things like that so yeah we obviously played at King's Home to beat the army last time so um it's not a bad place for us, I don't think, so far. So, um, yeah. Happy hunting ground for you. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Amy Cocaine, um, as always, a real pleasure. Good luck for this season. We will, you know, be there to support and, you know, cover your, well, hopefully some try scoring. Some you know. success, hopefully. You've been doing all right with the tries, haven't you? Yeah. Last yeah, couple not, of seasons. Not bad. Yeah. Try and score a few more, maybe. Yeah, the old catch and drive. I love, I love yeah. the try, yeah, the try scoring forwards are... I think my favourite Are you a bunch. frustrated centre? I just want to ask that because... Probably, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're pretty good well, at Well, I played play. 10 against the army, yes, didn't exactly. I? So, you know, I've had, I've had my dabble in the backs. It was actually more stressful than I thought it was going to be, but... I think just versatile. Can, she should be Amy versatile, Fiona. Was, was that an itch that needed scratching? Do you think you might revert to that position again, or are you quite happy? No, we've, we've luckily recruited some good 10s in the Air Force, so I can't, can't <laughs> imagine I'll uh, be putting on the 10. Well, it wasn't even the 10 shirt. It was too big for the 10 shirt. It was that to wear number 25. <laughs> Honestly, like the light blue turned white. It was that stretch for the 10 shirt. I was like, it's not happening. <laughs> Give me the 25. That would be the Christmas bench press for you. Yeah. We've, all, we've all been there. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. Your guns are your guns are coming back, aren't they? After a bit of uh, eating, <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating out, not working down. out. Yeah. Well, listen, Amy. As I keep saying, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for for coming on to Forces Sports and hopefully promoting our, our little podcast out there to the uh, the wider world. And um, yeah, as always, we'll we'll be watching you over until the next time we speak to you, which will probably be into services next year and fingers crossed that all goes ahead as normal thank you yeah no thank you very much it was great such a, a fascinating character such a strong character as well another 25 military, year old <laughs> keep game. reminding me another military life another inspirational character another sport that amy i'm sure excelled at is cricket and this is what i've been waiting to discuss with you jules not only the ist20 um world cup taking place at the moment but breaking news this morning that ben stokes will be going to australia great news the finger has healed and he's feeling in much better shape mentally and prepared and so he's added his name to the list and it would be great to see one of the world's best players playing in arguably the world's best test series which is the ashes so i'm sure the australians will be revved up and this is just going to add to the already togetherness that england share so having one of your you know all-rounders go out there and just it's fantastic good for him absolutely and from a a very practical point of view aside from the sort of talismanic attitude that he sort of seems to bring to an England side Steve Harmison was talking this morning about the fact that if you have a Ben Stokes in your side say coming in at number five or number six the balance of your team worrying about how many seamers you play how many batsmen you play whether you play a spinner when Ben Stokes is in your side and he's sitting in that middle order it gives the England side a balance so they can play a spinner they can play because he's an extra bowler and obviously an extra batsman and 
you know, just, just he's just the whole package. I'm sort of, I want to wax lyrical about him. But... How old is he, though, Kath? He's he's thirty. Okay, so he falls yeah. outside of the twenty-five year old bracket. <laughs> but you're right. The only thing is, will he have enough time to prepare? Because every other player obviously had the end of the county championship. England are away now doing IST twenty. Will he have enough time to prepare for what is a huge series in the Ashes? Will he go out slightly earlier and play some cricket out there in Australia? I don't. I don't know. I'm, it, I'm sure that will be discussed. That has that idea has has been muted, and I think he's spending a lot of time. I think the batting will come back quicker than the bowling. So he's already back in the nets, as we know, but possibly the, the bowling needs a bit more finesse. But just great news. Obviously, it's a shame he's not out um, with the IST20 side at the moment, but they are doing... Um, I keep saying IST20, don't I? Sorry, the, the T20 side uh, at the moment, but they... That may have, may have been my fault. I may have said IST20. <laughs> Obsessed. Obsessed. The World so the, Cup T20. The IT20. The yeah. IT20. Um, a lot of people saying Pakistan can't be written off. And after yesterday's performance against India, that that's true. And I think by not losing any wickets, they showed more promise than England, who only had to chase 55 and lost four wickets. So as, as much as it was a, a good win for them, they were only chasing 55 and to lose four wickets. And that's probably... I think it's adapting to the conditions. I know that the bowlers have been putting the balls, their balls in buckets of water to help them prepare. In fact, that reminds me, Sevi Ballesteros, the late, great Sevi Ballesteros, his wife used to kiss his balls before he teed off for good luck. Obviously, that's a different story. But I know the England bowlers, because of the dew in out in Dubai, have been dipping their balls in buckets of water just so that when they're bowling, they're getting their hand used to the, to the dew on the balls. I think that's good. I think, I mean, the fact that we even know stuff like that shows sort of um, the information they're willing to share these days. Well, yes, but, you know, no no stone unturned. And and if it's helping, it's helping. Um, Talking about cricket scores, um, Rugby Union, um, New Zealand scoring 104, 16 tries against um, the USA, who were proud to score 14. Their first ever tries. First ever tries, yeah. Yeah, well done then. But, Games Does that like sound that, patronising? That wasn't meant to sound patronising. No, I think I, games like that more of an exhibition than a, than a real test match. Rugby isn't it? Union is desperate to to get a foothold in the United States and having the world's best. I say the world's best team, probably the world's most famous team in the All Blacks out there mm. will do an awful lot to raise the profile. So hopefully that will have helped and and some of those people because they do play it. They play it at, at college level and then they sort of disappear off, off the scene in the United States. So hopefully having the All Blacks there will will maybe galvanise the sport a little bit. And well done, the USA. And one of those tries that they scored was a blinder yeah, against absolutely. the All Blacks. Fantastic try. Um, just talking domestic rugby, um, Leicester, six wins from six. Feels like they're harking back to their dominance in the early 2000s, sort of under the likes of Martin Johnson. Doing really well. Mm. Yeah, don't knock it. If whatever's working's working. Uh, another form of rugby, rugby league. We have um, two England games this weekend. Both won. The England men won 30-10 and the women won 44 um, against France. Um, rugby league is such so strong in the military. And um, obviously we've got links in, in certainly in the women's game and, and the wheelchair game. And it would have been around now that the, the Rugby League World Cup was supposed to be kicking off this year. But we're, we're waiting another year for that. But... Um, a good show from from the England men and the England women and um, the wheelchair team they've got three games against France coming up and we've got James Simpson who's uh, ex-forces um, 
and he's actually coming back from injury at the moment so hopefully he'll be fit for for those that's something to look forward to uh football Jules you must have been pleased please don't see you say you saw any fault in Liverpool's 5-0 win at Old Trafford over over the moon I was really disappointed with the attitude of the Man United players I felt that you've got Maguire and Shaw part of the England setup their heads dropped and the I understand what it's like to be on the receiving end of a whooping, but you, the body language wasn't there, was it? So there's something wrong at Old Trafford, and hopefully they can put it right in the coming weeks for their supporters. There were footage of Man United fans leaving, probably not surprisingly, at half-time. There's also the, the picture which always seems to come up is um, Fergie in the crowd with a displeased look on his face. He looked very grumpy. The flip side of that was that King... King Kenny, Kenny Dalgleish, was laughing his head off. So um, <laughs> there you go, old rivals. Well, look, um, lots to look forward to, as always. I don't know what you've got in your diary this week at the moment, but um, please do get in touch with us at forcesport at bfbs.com. If you're listening on BFBS Radio and you want to hear more from our guest, Amy Cocaine, then please visit our podcast page at bfbs.com slash podcast. And there you can listen to the full conversation. Of course, you can also see all our, all our sports reports at forces.net and plenty more podcasts at bfbs.com slash podcasts on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Like I said, do get in touch. You can email us at forcesport at bfbs.com. It would be great to hear from you, but that's all from us for this week. From me and Jules, goodbye. Goodbye.